be able to recover them. So um, I just wanted to apologize to everybody who maybe is coming in and didn't watch the other recordings. Um, what our intention was always to send out each of the individual recordings after this panel as well so that everybody could catch up. There are people that just started following that just started realizing that this was happening in the last yeah. week or two weeks and did not get a chance to see those. But if we are able to recover that, recover them, we've always said that we were gonna make them available on our Patreon. But I was talking with Ayla and I was like, this is just so valuable that if we are able to recover them, we're just gonna post them on YouTube and just have them accessible for, for everybody at all times um, because yeah. they're, it was amazing. <laughs> like it was, and I know that some of you viewed each other's as well. Um, and so what I'm thinking that before I forget, actually, I just want to congratulate Eric and Bloom Homie for being on, is it MSNBC or NBC? NBC, yeah. I didn't on even know that was going to happen. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know and like didn't see the story post, um, I reposted it and then it's on Bloom Homie's post, obviously, too. But Bloom Homie was featured in a segment on NBC about basically what we're talking about and redefining masculinity and um, all the work that you all are doing, right? As fathers, as men. And so it was really um, awesome to see that it was getting that level of exposure. And so I, I do hope that you continue to grow, that all of you continue to grow in the work that you're doing. I just find it so powerful and beautiful and and thank you. Thank for, you, um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. That was so cool. Yeah, I woke up to that news. I wasn't even, I wasn't even aware of that. But I'm really? happy. Like, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Um, Rudy of Bloom Homie told me. I told you a few weeks ago. And I'm like, I must have been really stressed out with my son, and I didn't. That didn't process. But I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Cool news, news to wake up to. Yes. So congratulations, Felicidades, yeah. hermano. Um, I am just wanting to dive in. Like I, I was kind of joking with my partner this morning. I was like, they're going to, they're going to duke it out, <laughs> but duke it out in a way that's like positive, you know? And, um, I just want to hear maybe like, what were some of the highlights that you experienced in the conversations that you heard? Um, or even though, you know, something that maybe stuck with you about the conversation that we had and also what has the response been, you know, and so maybe we can start with, um, with Eric since we've been talking and then we can go on and, and chat with everybody else. You would like me to share like what I kind of got from listening to somebody else here? From somebody else or just yeah, from your own? I was, like, yeah, I was listening, too. I was listening to Carlos, um, when I was actually on a walk at the park with my son and he was talking about um, kind of an event that happened when it, with his, it, do you have a, a boy or a girl? Was it a yeah. yeah, boy. Yeah, an event that happened with his son where he, I guess, punched another little kid in the stomach and his immediate reaction was like, what do I need to do, right? Like to assert my, my, my authority and my control. And, and he kind of reverted back to thinking about what would his parents do? And a lot of times it comes back to like, we gotta, you know, hit our children, sh children show them we are the boss. And then when he said that, um, you know, that there was a letter that was written, mm. that, um, that was beautiful. The letter, right? The letter written from, uh, your, was it your son to the other boy? Right. Saying, right. Sorry. Yeah, that was beautiful. And I was like thinking, I think if maybe Carlos would have reverted to automatically maybe hitting his son, I think his son would have like, uh, you know, withdrawn and maybe not opened up to his dad as much and kind of just fled that situation, you know? And I, and I think 
that to me stuck and I, I really appreciated Carlos talking about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I found that really powerful too. Yeah, what else? Cause I know, I know I saw y'all chatting in the other conversations and you know, I was actually gonna give you that homework of like, go back and watch. <laughs> ones yeah issue with the recordings but um what insights i guess like have you had any reflections that you've had like since we had our conversation um which either maybe were inspired by the other conversations that you heard or um you know or just the responses that you've gotten i can share some stuff because i feel like after since i was the last one like i had to like go back and like really review everyone um, and I'm like, man, what, what other offerings could I bring when like three other dope brown men just kind of like went before? So I was like, man, I got to go hard now. Um, <laughs> and I think part of what was like beautiful about our conversation, Leslie, was that following that conversation, and I'm sure all of you probably experienced this, right? But like, I've had a lot of other men kind of just reach out, particularly dads now, and want to just connect, want to talk more. Um, or even just like link up via Zoom or a phone call. And, you know, I just want to like really put that out there, right? That like these conversations have opened up sort of a really big space for other men to start kind of supporting one another in this dialogue. And I realized that a lot of the ones that plugged with me like had this background of like gangs or other stuff that like I was very vocal about with my own narrative, right? And like going to prison, et cetera. So, just realizing like how powerful each of us can be and like when we speak up on this, being able to connect with other men who can relate to us and start building more community around that. Like I just saw, like, I, I thought that was amazing. Like just to be able to do that, I have some really dope dudes now that I can talk to, which I didn't have before, <laughs> um, you know? So that that was really great because the, the fatherhood thing um, can get a little isolating when you don't have a lot of men out there who are trying to approach it from like the non-violent, very loving approach. Um, you know, you oftentimes get looked at very differently. So this space has offered that. And, and it's thanks to you, Leslie, and everyone else here to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely would piggyback. I, I totally agree with that. Um, I guess for myself, um, it's, it was great because listening to everyone, like you see yourself in everyone's different stories, but then you see themselves. And then what made it even better was like, I think off on Instagram, like what it means to be a brown father or a father in general, like what it means to gentle, the work that we do, just like a particular image. And then like listening to everybody every week and then following them afterwards um, and then watching their work, watching their growth um, and the stuff that they're sharing and saying, it was like, they're also showing that fatherhood, the work we do, it comes in so many different images, the way we talk, the way we dress, the way we move, the way we be, there's not one way to do it. That's what often is shown on Instagram, that there is one way to do it. And I thought that was so beautiful, it was like just seeing everyone do it on their terms. Um, and that was, I thought was amazing to me. And uh, what I thought was pretty cool too, was I kind of kind of got, I kind of got co-signed, if that, if that makes sense. Um, by you know i'm a yes i'm an afro latina but I, a lot of you guys have like a mexican culture and i'm coming from the caribbean from puerto rico mm. um so obviously there, there's you know a lot more of you guys in in mexico and south america than there is in puerto rico i mean that's i mean just look at a man you know what i mean like you know what i mean so it kind of was like a cosign um like of the work that that I'm doing or we're all doing 
um, to, to be to be in the same space as you are. Um, not gonna lie, because my skin color, I don't always get the same same respect or, or light. So it kind of like, in a in a weird way, was like, oh, you know, like that 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 we're all the real deal. Um, but I totally agree with both that there's been a lot of people DMing um, dads or other or other Afro Latinos was like, I finally feel seen. I finally feel like, you know, I mean, we, we see it all the time on like Telemundo, you know, we see on all these other things, like we're not really shown. And this this series show us that that we all are in this picture. Um, and we're all doing it in different ways, but we all have the same goal. And I thought that was awesome. And I'm so blessed by all you all. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I, th I think for me, the the biggest thing that like I really took from all of it was just how validating it was. You know, just uh, it can be very intimidating. You know, very intimidating, and and you know, to hear that there are other people out there that are struggling, and that we're all different at the same time. We're not. You know, and how how complex and and like when you when we talk about just being even a good person, a good father, um, the very simple things that due to our upbringing, due to society, due to all these factors that have made them such difficult things that sometimes to just go back and make it something as simple as expressing your feelings, as easy as that concept sounds, it's extremely difficult. And so not only understanding the context, but even just how validating it is that other men are in the same, um, you know, journey. And, and I know for me personally, it's because I'm still going through this journey and I think it's never ending. Like, Honestly, for me, this this is a lot. Of, it gives me a lot of confidence. It gives me a lot of confidence because I know that there are a lot of things, just like I know there are more of us out there that feel like we're the only ones going through this. And so there's times where I feel, even as a father, where I, I like I said, it gets frustrating. And there's days where I don't have the patience. And to tell you the truth, th those are the days where I feel like I just need to get rid of my account. I'm not capable. I'm not worthy mm -hmm. of being that role model. So I need to. I need to just stop. I need to stop trying. And and understanding that that alone is is the journey that we're documenting, you know, that that's part of what we're resonating with each other. And to hear more of that has been like, oh, cool. You know, I mean, like, it is okay for me to think this way. Of course, we're going to find healthy ways to handle them. And we're going to figure out the roots of these issues so that we can handle them in better ways. But the thoughts and, and everything that I feel and all this ugliness and guilt and all that stuff, like, it's, it's real, it's valid. So, that for me was that was probably the best part of listening to to you guys and and just hearing again different stories and, and being able to to resonate with that was was cool yeah i think each of your stories were so uniquely powerful and and we got a lot of feedback afterwards too and gratitude for for you know having had a series that amplified the fact that it's not easy being a man who is trying to deconstruct machismo you know and it's not easy being a man who is trying to heal childhood wounds or even look at those childhood wounds, you know? Um, and so the fact that each of you are creating community around that, I think is so powerful. And I wish that there were like at least 50 more of each of you, <laughs> you know, growing the work. And, and I feel like that is like the bigger vision that, that I have is just like, let's just keep rippling this. And it also has the challenges, you know? And so my question is like, what are, we know what the gifts are of the work, you know, like we, we know what the, what the positive outcomes are. And also what are some of the challenges that you have encountered um, either just since having our conversation or, or like overall? And any of you could, you know, I'm not gonna call on you, I'm not that teacher. 
Um, honestly, I, I, one of the things that I also realized was that a lot of the turnout, I don't know for everyone else's, like I couldn't see attendee-wise, but we had a lot of hermanas, a lot of moms show up to our conversations and the loving support that we got from mothers out there um, just kind of made me realize that there's an opportunity and a challenge in that, right? Like the opportunity being that we do need to start building this like cohesive narrative with mothers out there on what fatherhood looks like and how we start really communicating both sides of the conversation. Because again, we do need to give like single moms out there like all the props for the work that they do. But ultimately it's also on us as fathers to be like, what about the fathers who have not been able to show up, right? Like, why is that happening? What, what are the things that we're not discussing that maybe have not been sort of fully addressed because we haven't built this cohesion with one another. So there's an opportunity there and the challenge sort of presented itself as I was speaking, right? But like actively doing that in a way where everyone here realizes that like we play a role in being able to do that. And like, I totally felt what Carlos said because like that was me this week. I've been going through it. Like my daughter um, has been going through a lot of mental health issues. She like scored high recently for suicidal ideation and major depression. And like, I'm blessed that I have a therapist and like, I've done my, my own healing work. So I knew how to navigate that, but having to navigate that while still being, you know, a human being period with multiple jobs and multiple commitments was like daunting in and of itself. And this is like the first time that I've had to like really do something that was not done for me. Like I had to do a lot of this work on my own. And so, you know, I just want to like really honor that, but like honor the fact that like a lot of the people who showed up for me this week were moms. <laughs> um or some of my hermanas out there that have kids who are connected to me and so you know but I don't want to say that and not say that like I've had some brothers try to show up and like really not know how to um and also because they just feel like the same thing that Carlos felt like that we're somehow not doing enough and and, and I really don't know who sets the bar for what's enough at this point I feel like we just need to like really start showing up for one another intentionally so I see that as being the challenge right like moving forward how do we keep doing these conversations that are not just like one time, lastly, organizing them, but like how do we can, you know, keep them going for each other um, and support each other in loving ways. And also all the men that are like commenting and, and, and sharing their thoughts right now too in the, in the chat, right? Like how do we connect to y'all better? I'd love to hear y'all chat in some stuff about how can we make these communities bigger and, and more sustainable moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. And, and I, I think um, something that makes it very difficult is, is the way I look at it is we're, we're essentially trying to teach each other how to love, you know, to love when we, I don't think we necessarily were ever taught how, you know, and I, I know myself is, is I'm very much, you know, having that, that trait of being very stubborn of being very about, I know what I, I know what I have to do. I know it's right, you know, and then, and then at the same time, having to do something that I, I was never taught it becomes very difficult, you know, and finding the value in the little things. I mean, how do we teach that when, when we don't know it ourselves? Something as simple as brushing my teeth is something that I, I related to my mom yelling at me in the morning saying, go brush your teeth. And I don't see the value in me taking care of myself in that, you know? And so not doing those little things with intentions of helping myself out, I think makes it very difficult even to help each other out as men, 
you know, and, and I think that's a big part of a lot of times why we rely on our women and why women are the ones that help us out through this, which is amazing. And I'm so grateful for it. But at the same time, I do think it's important for us as men to have to do it. And we're, I think we're at the, we're at the beginning of that, of that wave of just like, Hey, we're building these small communities and creating not enough platforms. Right. Cause I don't think there's ever enough and it all resonates. And I, I think for me, I think back a lot to, to when I started going to therapy and finding someone that I can connect with. Right. And how important that was. And so, especially with the platform that I've created with the Modern Macho, I think that that's what's so important is that, you know, as much as we have the women there, there's this there's this little disconnection of of we're, we're still kind of different and we're brought up with a different mindset. Not that one's better than the other, but it's just very different. And so it is important that as men. You know, we don't glorify a lot of things that we do, that we don't necessarily encourage a lot of these things that can be very hurtful. But there is a sense of connection through that where, you know, even for the younger generations to go, whoa, you know, I can relate to that or I felt those things or I know what's going on, I think makes it easier for us to kind of help each other to go in the right direction. Um, and and it's tough. It's tough because, you know, I feel like every time I speak, I'm talking to a me from six, seven years ago. And I'm like, that dude's not going to listen. You know, that dude's going to look at me and think like, bro, you're, you're so gay. Like, what do you mean you're in your feelings? Like, what do you mean you're vulnerable? What do you mean you're this? And so it's tough. I mean, we're, we're doing something very difficult here, but you know, it, it's the way I see it. It's just like that annoying pop song. You know, you listen to it long enough and it starts to grow on you, you know, so <laughs> we got, we got to start somewhere, man. We got to start somewhere. For sure. Yeah, no, I, 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 that totally all makes sense. Um, It's, it's just like, not only we don't know, like we know what we're supposed to do, but there's like, how do we learn to do it? You know what I mean? Like what books do you read? What pages do you follow? What things do you research? If you don't even know, like you don't know how to do it. So what do you even, you don't know how to start. And I think, I think all over the world, I think there's lots of men who are, are saying, you know, I'm not a fan of all these things that we're being talked to, but I don't know how to break free from it. I don't know how to unlearn it. I don't know how to be a gentle parent or, or, or to be loving to my friends and my family or things of that nature. And I totally agree. It's like for our work, it, it's like just trying to figure out how to share ourselves at the same time, our work show that we're a hundred percent men, hundred percent fathers, hundred percent in all of our identities. So other people say, okay, I resonate with you or it's like, and then if they don't resonate with us and I say, hey, you know what? I think you should reach out to Carlos or, you should, or reach out. So it's like these people, these pages, you may be able to resonate even more with than you and me. And I, so everything you guys are all saying, it's like, it's like I feel that certain way because sometimes in the work that we're doing, especially on Instagram, it's just like, like how do you continue to, you know, like we're not in it for the fame. Like we, we know all of us, we're not in it for, you know what I mean? So it's like how you continue to show your love is real, show that who you are as a person outside of the work and continue to be that kind of person for other people. Um, I think that's always like you guys are saying, it's like that's always like a, such a tough part in, in all the work that we do, especially in trying to get more men involved. Because, um, you know, let's be real. We don't got the same kind of privileges or, 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 or you know, that other pages get. Like they want you to be a one track record. He's like, oh, you want to show more? And I'm like, well, I don't follow you for this. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but I'm more than this. I'm more than this. And I, and I think that's, and, 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 but real recognizes real. I think as all of us continue to just stay real to ourselves and say real that the men who are supposed to follow us or follow you or follow someone, so they're going to come. 
And, mm-hmm. and I believe it. I really believe it. That, that whoever, not just men, anyone, however you identify, you'll, you'll resonate with those who you resonate, you'll rock with them. And it might be slow or steady, but I'd rather, you know, I'd rather be the real deal than selling out or being one way. And I'm just grateful. It's, it's so cool. And I think for me personally, I think in terms of challenges, I think last, when my message, I've been beating myself up with, with Leslie, um, some, uh, a parent, a dad asks, well, how do I, uh, like, how do he support his esposa, his wife? And I was like, all right, I got a great answer. And I gave this great answer on what to do. And then Leslie was like, whoa, you need to ask her. Michael ain't your wife. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, dang, I should have said that. <laughs> I felt bad. I was like, because the whole time you were talking, I was like, but is that what she wants? <laughs> you know, no, like you're right. I was trying to give an answer that was like, that would work for everyone. Like yeah. this is the what you're supposed to do. And what, what, was, what was the answer? Because because we may not be able to retrieve all of those, so it would be good to know what what that answer was, if you remember. Man, I don't really. Remember. What's the right? What's the right answer? <laughs> I feel like we all can have an answer, but I think the point was like it was yeah. basically just being supportive and, and yeah. being 100 committed. Yeah, and, that's the right answer. Yeah, but you had even a better answer. Was like no, you. Yes, you need to ask her, like, what is the love language for her? What is 100% committed to her? Yeah. Or, or whoever your spouse is, whoever or whoever you're connected with at that time, your children, your family, ask them, what is it you need me to do? Because oftentimes we mean well, we're doing all the right things, but it's not what they want. It's not what, it's not the language they're speaking. Yeah. So that's all I want to say was that was that one, the one challenge I had, I guess, when trying to think was like, man, beating myself up about that for weeks, like, man, Leslie. <laughs> I, w- I want to say, though, response. like, I'm glad you said that, though. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, and you know this, but like, it wasn't for, for you to beat yourself up. Like, it was, it was just to add to it, you know, it was just to add to it because I think that our, our men, like, know us pretty well um well I should like you know (laughs) I can speak for me but um but those are those are valid answers you know and like you when when you're asked that question you're thinking about your particular partner you know and so for somebody that maybe isn't used to having those conversations with their partner a good step would be to ask right and so it wasn't to negate and definitely like, don't beat yourself up ever, you know, like no, that, yeah. <laughs> ever, ever. No, not like, I wasn't like literally like drinking or being depressed about it. It was just more like, uh, imagine more, if that was, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was more so like, that's, a, that's what has to happen for all of us. Doesn't matter however you identify um, a man or whatever it may be. That's what has to happen is like, when you need to figure out how to build these connections, even with your children, how do you build these connections? Your answer was right on the money. You got to talk to them. You got to connect with them. You got to ask them, what is it that you want me to do? Um, it's like, when I, before quarantine happened this summer, I was at this orchard, um, like, you know, they had like six feet away, but, but there was like, this, it was a, a mom with, who's arguing with her college age um, daughter. And I work at a college, so I'm like, well, I want to hear what's going on. Like, maybe, you know what I mean? Like, you're trying to be, you're being nosy. Like, your wife and your kid is talking to you, and you're like, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh. But you're not even really there. You're listening. And this mom and this daughter were arguing because the mom was saying, the mom, the daughter was saying, like, I feel like you don't listen to me. I feel like you don't love me. 
And the mom was like, what do you mean I don't love you? I clean, I clean your dorm. I gave you money. I come like, I, I don't have to, I don't know how to say I love you. That's what she eventually yells at one point. She was this whole time saying like, I'm doing everything I thought says I love you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the same thing about what your, your point. It's the same thing that you made was like, like, no, like, yeah, you might be doing everything that you think that they want, but that may not be what they want. Um, so I'm so glad you like, you know, shut me down to say that. Like, <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> That's not what happened. And I would be like, well, we could just watch the recording and see if that was actually what, but we can't. Um, yeah, but Eric, I know that you like also experienced some challenges. I want to, um, you know, thank, thank you, MJ. I'm so like, I don't want you to beat yourself up. <laughs> no, no, no. It's obviously teasing. That's it. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of challenges that come with, you know, trying to engage in paradigm shifting, you know, which I, that's a cool term that I, that I got from you is um, when uh, I wanted to start Bloom Homie with the other homies. And I remember I started making the first post. It was uh, centering men. And I remember one of the, the members in Bloom Homie was like, hey, is this the, direction you want to take the page I noticed like the first few posts you've written are all it's like about men and and men and I'm like yeah that's the point like he's like oh okay I'm like we know we need to talk about violence against women but we need to center men because men are oftentimes the perpetrators of violence against women so what is going on with men that we need to you know make better within us and I feel like a lot of this work is changing the culture and to be really frank, we're social creatures and social creatures follow cultures. They, we follow trends. We, a lot of people just follow things. So I'm like, why don't we just create something that's a healthy culture that younger men can just feel comfortable following, you know? And I feel like now that there are more men on social media normalizing mental health, oof, I see this, I see, I see men on a trajectory that I've never seen before. And it makes me so excited um, because more men are normalizing these conversations about uh, forgiveness and patience and mental health and trauma and abuse. And we're normalizing these conversations among ourselves. So it's going to give that other guy that's sitting in the corner afraid to speak up. It's gonna give that guy the opportunity to speak with us. And for, you know, for a few years in my life during, in my early twenties, um, I started thinking like, damn, I don't know if I can maintain friendships with men. Like I was like stuck in like a pattern of like, just kind of like just too much excess, like partying, drugs, alcohol. And like that circle of men wasn't giving me anything else for my spirit but like excess and it was, and I saw how damaging that culture was for them and me at the time in some way. So I was like, I need to like, you know, start walking my own path. And in that essence, I ended up losing a lot of male friends cause I was then like, you know, a bitch for it. I was this and that, and like, you know, kind of like what Carlos said. And I think that's a lot of the challenge for men trying to do this work is that we socially outcast that one man that is actually walking in his truth because we because men have such an allegiance to the alpha or like 
patriarchal values that that one man that is actually being more brave, vulnerable, and courageous than the rest of the group, that man is going to get outed because it's not easy being that man. And um, that's why I look up to the men on this panel and all the other men, like, just doing work in their homes and in their neighborhoods and in their classrooms. And I love it. I'm so excited for the future that I feel like a lot of millennial men are, like, shifting into. Couple, <clears throat> a couple things on that. Um, thank you for sharing that, Eric. I actually, so I, I didn't want to say, and not only congratulations, Eric, on, on everything that's going on with Bloom, homie, but I am, yeah. I would say that me and this whole platform, man, is, is a big, a big product of, of you and of you guys. Because interestingly enough, you know, full disclosure, I've never actually even had a conversation like this with, with Eric. We've shared messages here and there, but we've never actually spoke with each other, brother. And um, that's but, so amazing. Yeah, but one of the, so thank you, Leslie, but one of the biggest things uh, for why we started, it was actually the the, the men's circles that, that uh, Bloom Homie was hosting. That was the very first men's circle that I ever did was, was Bloom Homie. And I went in with that same mindset, like, this is kind of, this is kind of weird. We're probably going to kumbaya for two hours. I don't know if I want to do this. Like, but then I realized like, dang, a bunch of dudes are getting together. And it, it was that common issue of like, I'm tired of it. And I'm going to keep it hundred percent with you guys. I was in the same way with having those relationships with men where it just wasn't working out. But then I was also having the issue where, you know, I had, I had women to go to, I had women that was there, but I'll be real. There was also that temptation side of it that it always led to some kind of, you know, maybe a feeling or something like that, that for me was just, I was also getting exhausted of that, where it was like, I just want to have a genuine friendship where I don't have to feel something when it happens. And I started, it kind of like grew it even more of like, where's the problem? Where's the issue? You know? And um, something that, that uh, MJ was mentioning that was also very important is like, not only is, because I can relate to you, bro. Like you said, Leslie called you out about, about, you know, the whole, what it needs to be, dude. I'm mad at you, bro, because I, I feel you on that. Like, I know exactly what that's like. And I realize not only does it come from a place of like thinking like that we know what's right, but also what I find that has been very validating in, in listening. And this just goes even for all, all the audience that's listening is that it takes off so much pressure on us as men. Because for me, what I think is I got to go to work. I got to bring the money. I got to bring this. I got to do that, blah, 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 because that's what a man does, you know, and, and like, it's literally as simple as all I had to do was sit down with you for 15 minutes and hear about your day, you know, with, with my son, like there's literally days where it's like, bro, like you said, I got up, I bought him the toy. We cleaned the room. We did this, we did that. But when my son asked me, puppy, play with me, it's like, no, cause I got to do these things for you and not understanding like, dude those five minutes to him are the most valuable five minutes you could have given him. You could have left the kit. You could have left the kitchen a mess. You know, you could have not worried about having to, you know, handle things with the homies. You could have put all that aside and gave him those 10 minutes and you would have been fine. And so I find that to be the other side of where it's like, okay, if you, for me, when I speak to myself and I reflect, I think, okay, if you think you're doing the right thing by working in all those things, right. That to you is the right thing to do as a father it's valid. It's very much valid. Every feeling, every thought, the way we all think is valid, but you're putting yourself under so much pressure that you don't need to, you know? And I think that that's also what's very important too, is that no matter what we think, I think what I love is that it's all valid and, and understanding like, yo, where does that come from? You know, like we said, Hey, you think that that feels gay, that feels wrong to have to be vulnerable, to be in tune with, with your emotions, because I'm also aware that not every man is a crier. You know, not everybody needs to get up in their fields and that's valid, you know, but 
like MJ said, like, Hey, the way he feels is, is very much about, I know what's good about my partner. And like you said, bro, you felt attacked. I used to feel attacked too. And it was almost like, damn, there's this pressure. But then to realize like, dude, that's so valid because that's what we were taught. That's what we thought we had to do. And guess what? We can take that weight off our shoulders now because look, all we got to do is be there for our partners and it makes it so much easier, you know? And it's still hard, man. We're, we're, you're, t- you're asking us to change the way we've been programmed for so long, you know? And there, I think there's certain beauties in the ways, you know, I, don't, I think we focus on the negative because we're trying to make progress, not because we don't see the beauty in being providers and being protectors. And like those things have such, to me, are, are like things that I'm very much proud of. Um, but there's so many things that we've added to it that we didn't mean to. And it's not on us. Like I know myself and I don't, I don't like having a victim type mentality, right? Of like, oh, the world did this to me. But at the same time, we are victims of those things. And if we understand them and if we know where they come from, we could start to make those changes, you know? And um, yeah, like that, I think, like I said, I think that to me has been very validating. And so to find other men that are on the similar journey, but that are on the same page of like, hey, we're still not perfect. Hey, we still feel these things. The transparency, I think, is, is the most important part, especially when it comes to the challenge of other men reaching out, right? Because I, I see, I'll put it to you this way. I see Hernan, right? And I would have, if I, if I looked at him and listened to something he said maybe five years ago, I would have been like, this dude, he's too much of a good dude. He's soft. I can't, I can't do it, right? And then he says he's in gangs. And I go, wait, what? <laughs> like, hold up. What do you mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's the thing is a lot of times the, the lack of transparency, right? Where it's just, it's very intimidating and it pushes some of us away. And so I think that's why it's, it's so important. And, and I give so much props to you guys for being so vulnerable and being so just genuine and, you know, and like not what we're doing, but why we're doing it. And I think that the, whether it's one or a thousand or 20,000 followers, whatever it is, like, I have so much peace in my heart knowing that it's like, man, the people that are here want to be here. We're not convincing anyone to be a good dude. We're not trying to tell anyone to do something that they don't want to do because we've all been there. Not only as men, but as kids, we spent a lot of time as kids having to shut up when we cried, you know, having to clean up when we didn't necessarily need to. And and look what happened. Look at what happened. The second that I think some of us grew up, I said, F that, you know, the first day I didn't go home, it's like, I'm not waking up and making my bed this morning. I'm going to be a rebel. You know, I'm not going to do these things. And, and so it didn't really teach us what we needed to. Now, it is what it is. You know, we're not, I, I don't sit here and say like, oh, it's their fault. But man, understanding that is cool because now we're in control. Now we make the decisions of saying we're going to put ourselves where we want to be. You know, and we're all capable of being the good dudes that I think it's in us. It's in all of us. We've all been hurt. Some of us are a little more aggressive than others. But even then, I think like that's so valid because of where we came from, like, dang, you know, that that anger, there's there's pain under that and you're hurt. But some of us didn't understand how to how to handle that. We were never told it was OK to express ourselves in a healthy way when we're hurt. So what do we do? We get mad. We get angry. We become petty. I'm still I'm a petty queen, man. Like I, I get petty about things very easily. But again, it, it, I think it's it's very valid. And, 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 you know, focusing on the journey, I think, is what's really helped out. And so. I just, I want to applaud each and every one of you guys for, for what you're doing and Leslie for, for creating a space even for us to come out and, and, and help us continue to help each other, you know? Um, Thank you, Leslie. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's not me. Like I, you know, 
it's it is the community right and like i i want to think i don't even know who it is that called me out like at the end of last year somebody was like i see most of your because you guys see that i post a lot of art most of it is like latinx black indigenous art and somebody was like i see a lot of art about moms Mm -hmm. you know like i see a lot of the art that you post is mothers and i was like nah (laughs) you know and I went back and like my initial was like no I'm super equitable I fill in all the holes and all the gaps you know and (laughs) um and then I went back and I was like damn he's right you know I'm not I'm not addressing the fatherhood experience um every now and then there was like a man you know a, a dad and a child post um but it wasn't enough. And, and I think like when I have my classes the majority of people in those classes are women because they've been doing that work of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so often when I have had men come into those classes and I ask that question of why are you here? They look at her and they say, because she made me come, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. by the end of it, I can't get them to stop talking, you mm-hmm. know, by the end of that course, because it is that safety. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, once we establish that safety within ourselves, um, that I think you all are reclaiming that safety for yourself too, to be able to express like that. That's what I think um, is like the baseline for anybody, not just for men, right? Is that is re- really reclaiming that safety for ourselves because so much of what we did as children um, made us feel unsafe because of what happened to us when we would express ourselves and, or when we would experiment or play in certain ways or speak in certain ways we, you know, there was violence, right? And and I'm not just referencing physical violence because whenever we talk about violence, we think about yeah. physical violence. I'm talking about gritos, amenazas, um, you know, um, threats and yelling and, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And the violence of the world of this paradigm, like this mm. is a violent dominant colonialist paradigm, um, patriarchal, you know, capitalistic, like we we are just like going up against it um, and without this community and without people calling me out and being like, you're not addressing the brown fatherhood, like experience, you know, um, without that and without me being receptive to that, like we, we can't move forward, right? Like we have to be able to hold each other accountable too and say, Hey, you're not in alignment with the things that you're talking about. And I say that out of love. And I say that not in a way that I'm like attacking you or expecting you to be any other way than, than you are, but in a way that is an invitation to come back to yourself. Damn. So, my only, sorry. Go on, go on. My only thing is, I, whether you being called or not, my only thing is, I don't really think it's your fault. I think for so long, it's the brown and black women who have to be the Christ. They're the ones that keep being the saviors. They're the ones that keep selling us. They're the ones that keep saving us. So it's like, in your defense, you weren't being, um, you weren't forgetting about us. It's just that particular space, who was the one doing all the work? Um, because the way the system set up, the men who were doing the work weren't getting the shine. Um, and then the men, and for the most part, the men who wanted to do the work didn't know how to do the work or there wasn't much value from a capitalist standpoint in the work. Um, and I think it's so much rooted in our culture. It's like what you said, I think it was like two days ago, my wife brought it to me because it's funny, she said to me like a week ago, something that she heard from my mother was like, was it um, like, caritas nacemos uh, mas maritas? 
Calladitas nos vemos más bonitas. Two days yes. ago, yeah, right? You posted that. Um, yes. So the, the, my point you're trying to make is like, for so long, you all women um, with the X in it um, have been doing the work for us, making this part of the process, making it available for us. Like we, when we're saying to you, we couldn't have done this without you. Literally, if it wasn't for women and for you, doing the work and opening these doors for us, there would not be us. So I, I, don't, I don't want you to feel some way that you were called out because let's be honest, then he could have did the work himself. He could have made the page, he could have, you could have made it. I'm not, if he's listening, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean that as a shot at you. But, we're, but what I'm trying to say is like, I don't want you to feel any way that you were called out or not because for look at generation after generation after generation, it was our black and it was our brown, our women, our sisters, our mothers, they were the ones making space for us. They were the ones letting us cry. They're the ones giving us a hand to hold. They're the ones making us food. Love was through food. They were the ones doing all the work for us. Um, so I don't want you to feel any way about it because we would not have had the space that we are now if it wasn't for all the black and brown labor, um, which is not fair. But for, like I said, for a long time, you guys been our Christ, our saviors. And so I don't, I don't feel like, oh, they called you out because you were just doing what, you all been doing yeah yeah but I mean I think I like I I think I invite that and I think you all invite that too like show me you know like show me how I can grow show me how I can be better show me what I can do to be more aligned with my vision you know and and, and I kind of came to this like a couple days ago like I am I'm married to this vision you know I'm loyal to this vision I'm not loyal to toxic family members I'm not loyal to toxic paradigms like I am loyal to the vision of healing this collective that is what I am attached to happily married mm -hmm. to that <laughs> um and so you know so when somebody put you know thank you so much and like I want to be told by you especially you now that like I know you I trust you like tell me you know, where there are, where there are things where I can improve. Um, and so, you know, and, and I think just like in general, like Latinx parenting is still kind of a baby. Like I've only been around, I, I have been teaching for like 13 years, but Latinx parenting as it exists has only been around for a little bit over two years, you know? And so all of us, like these are, these are the little buds of the movement happening. And so I get really excited, like so excited to think about like, what is it gonna look like in 10 years? You know, like, what is it gonna look like in 15 years when we have been doing this work and our children are now probably helping us? Like my daughter recorded a module for me, a part of the module for me earlier. And I was like, all right, like I'm kind of getting <laughs> like into the, you know, like it was for a, those of you that are enrolled in the course, like we'll see that in the module this week. But um, anyway, it's just like the, what we're, what we're doing is setting a foundation um not to negate the foundations that have been set before us but in reality those that came before us were in survival so much of the time and not given the space to reflect to think about how can i be more conscious how can i be more in alignment how can i grow how can i be um you know a present parent a nonviolent parent a liberated parent and so now it is on us but we're not doing it alone mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like part of the fear for men and, and also for women is that if I start doing it in this way, I'm not supported. You know, there's there's so many of us that are living in intergenerational households with our fathers, with our mothers who are constantly criticizing the way that we parent and saying, like, you're raising a mandilon or you're, you know, you're um, 
you're letting them walk all over you or como son malcriados tus hijos, you know, they're so naughty, whatever. And so we're up against these paradigms, not in like a very elusive, like abstract way. It's real. If the people in your home are not supporting the way that you are wanting to be with your children, you're going to have a hard time. You know, oh, yeah. that happens a lot in our community. I mean, constantly. And I feel like a lot of it is like this cultural divide, you know, generational divide between, I mean, I'm first generation, my parents are immigrants. So there's a lot of divide. There's a lot of different, you know, perspective there. And I see that in a lot of my friends that are becoming like new parents and they're always kind of clashing with their, you know, their parents. They love their parents, but they're clashing because their parents are trying to kind of tell them, this is how you call the shots. This is how you do this. And a lot of, you know, younger parents are like, no, I want to do it differently. I don't think you noticed that certain ways you brought me up led me through a bad path for a few years, right? Like, I don't think a lot of parents like to admit that sometimes they they were abusive, whether it was intentional or not. Like, I mean, I talk about me and how I was raised, you know, getting phys physically like hit really badly, like when I was a kid and like looking back, I'm like, damn, like, I feel like if I were to have a conversation now with my dad straight up about it, I feel like he would cry, like he would feel bad that he went to that level of like violence towards me. Cause now I think he's more removed from those behaviors and has learned a lot as a man. And I think it would hurt him to like hear that. And like, I don't hold any resentment against my dad. My dad's awesome, amazing grandpa. Um, but I feel like, you know, when he was younger he was also navigating his own uh, issues and alcohol and his own traumas and your kid's disobedient. Well, what did my dad do? My dad got hit all the time, like badly. So those are things that get passed down on. And that's where the pushback is, is that now that I've, I've been following Leslie and Latinx parenting, you know, it really made me change my mindset on like hitting kids, like a lot, like, a year ago, I'm, I, I've told Leslie this, I was still considering raising my son by by hitting him. Like, they would still think something, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Like, it was still in my mind. And then once I started following Latinx parenting, I, and I was like, whoa, like, I can't, yeah, I can't do this. <laughs> it's not gonna sit well with me and what I'm trying to do. How am I gonna advocate for like, men being emotionally cognizant and competent and aware of themselves yet at the same time i'm gonna be beating my son's body like it it doesn't coincide so now like you know i i'm taking the path that's more difficult i feel like it's easy for some parents to just hit their kids because it's so culturally accepted and it's easy and it's like you're frustrated i'm gonna hit them and that might shut them up and make them scared of me you know, but it, it's harder to sit down and, and, and figure it out. It's harder to, you know, uh, figure out alternatives. It, that's all harder to do. But I think that's the work we must do because when our children are in trouble, we don't want them to hide from us. We want them to run to us and seek our guidance, you know? And I feel like too often kids, when they're in trouble, they run from us and they end up in more trouble. You know, and I want my son to grow up as a little boy and a young man and be like, shoot, I'm in trouble. 
I need to call my dad. Like, you know, I want him to feel like that. I don't want to be like, I don't want him to be raised in a home where he's like, oh my God, like I'm terrified of my dad. I need to hold this and not share it with my dad. I feel like that lands kids in bad situations, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I, I know there's probably parents listening right now who probably have a lot older kids. So I just wanted to quickly say, um, Jane Baldwin talks about what we're talking about right now in the fire next door. It's, a, it's like three letters that he wrote to his, his nephew. The first letter is about the very thing we're discussing. He says that the difference between what we know now and what our parents know is that survival, they, we have freedom. They were living in survival. So oftentimes when they were like whipping us or all those type of things, or it's, it's because they, we, black, black and brown people, we don't have the same freedoms as other people. It's either get your stuff together or you're gonna be hurt by outside sources, whether through work or police or do all type of things. Um, so oftentimes when our parent, he's, he writes that our, when our parents is whipping us, yes, it's violence, but they mean it out of love. And we now know what they didn't know. That's not love, but because they had no other choice. They were like, either you're going to get it together because you don't got the same freedoms that other people, that other people, of, of, especially in our community too, whether it's just, whether it be Anglo-Saxon or from the Spaniards, there is, there's a, they don't have, we have as darker people, we don't have the same privileges. It's get together or be hurt. And so more often than not, our parents, I think for us to get our parents on the same boat as us is to help them see that we're free now, that we're fighting for that freedom as we speak. It's, it's, it's different now. So I get what you're saying, like, hey, I want you, you should be doing this to your kid or your kids run over you or those type, or those type of things. It's like getting them to understand that, okay, you're, you were right. And it was, if you didn't do that to me, then I probably wouldn't have survived. Let's be real. Let's be real. It's, 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 it's way different times 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago than it is now. Um, yeah. If I hear some, especially as a black person, if I hear some of my, my abuelita stories, it would make you cry. And it's like, you still alive and you endured that. So I think it's us to under, if we want them to see our way, it's like just getting them through our realness and through our conversation, through our actions to say that we're free now. It's different, we're, and we're fighting now. It's, 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 it's changing. And this is how we're gonna do our, our, our battles. Um, so. so, sorry y'all, I've been listening. Um, I'm going to bring it all the way back to like one statement that Carlos made that caught my attention that's kind of been marinating through all of you. Um, this piece around when I mentioned the, that I lived in a gang life prior to my incarceration, right? Like the, the connection to violence that sometimes other men will connect to me by the, as first instance in order for them to open up to me in the long term, right? Like I realized as I was hearing all of you, right? Like that as we're talking about our fatherhood personal fatherhood or whether it's our own fathers or mothers or like chanclaso culture like all of that other stuff right like i think part of what we also need to become better at is having this very direct conversation with what violence means in the context of fatherhood what violence means in general for manhood but just violence in general right like i feel like we I personally, I take that back. I personally in the past used to tippy toe around that conversation all the time. Like I avoided it as many times as I could, whether it was in panels or public discussion, 
like I would say, right, like I went in for attempted murder, like I, I committed acts of violence in the community. I painted a very general picture. I never really painted like the full breadth of what that violence was actually directed towards, whether it was to my own family, to members of the community, to my own partner at the time. Like, I feel like the more I unpacked that, the more I started to realize that now when I connect to other men and I tell them that story, it like immediately I get that same reaction of like, you? I nah, hell no, bro. You you is not that type of dude. I'm like, well, why am I not that type of dude? Right? Like, what kind of mentality do you have of me as a person in general? Right. And partly what they see is, you know, someone who is fluffy, who's just like very charismatic and who is very respectful and, you know, just tries to be very loving and, and huggy. I've been told huggy. Uh, I didn't even know that was a word. But um and I think partly what I've realized is that even now, right? Like I recently joined this car club community and I have a lot of men there that I've gotten to know now for the first time. And I literally have to have some conversations where we like talk about the old days, right? Like the, the days where we were acting hella reckless and wild for me to get into this conversation of, but what can we do now differently, right? Like how can we heal now? And like, I feel like there's a a piece of the violence narrative that we need to start claiming in order to really get to the men. I, I've seen the question at some point pop up into the chat, right? Like, but how do we get some of the, the hermanos out there who can't really connect to us? Cause quote unquote, you know, he's too soft, right? Uh, I think partly what we really need to do is, is through this conversation that MJ just kind of mentioned too, around showing them the alternative. In order for them to show them the alternative, we also need to acknowledge the kind of reality that we've been living in for so long, right? And acknowledging it for what it is, that it was wrong, that we did it, that we perpetrated it, that we are not justifying it or glorifying it, but that we're accepting that it is something that we need to move away from and that we need to actively have these conversations as like brown men as we are right now, um, with our hermanas as well included, however, because a lot of like what was said in the beginning comes from the fact that we have per uh, perpetrated a lot of that harm to the women in our lives, particularly the maybe the mothers of our own children. I am guilty of that. I have like publicly put myself under the bus and said, you know, I used to be very abusive to the mother of my daughter and I have a better relationship to her now, mostly because I have accepted that. And part of what I realized in working with young men in the criminal justice field a lot, particularly young men who like myself were charged with violent felonies is that violence for them is hella normalized. And so when they become fathers at a young age, violence is the only thing that they know how to respond to for everything, an argument, for sadness, for even happiness. You get happy and all of a sudden you're like, get, you need to find something aggressive to go do. Even if it's aggressive, quote unquote, is just like aggressively drinking a bunch of bottles. <laughs> but like everything has this like aggression context to it. And so, you know, I just want to like name that because it's been like sitting with me this whole time that we do need to have that in-depth conversation as we keep unpacking this conversation of fatherhood and and just in general right like what it means to be brown men and, and black men and indigenous men like all people of color in general but men of color particularly how we engage in these conversations without just trying to fluff it into what it is what we want to aspire to but like acknowledging that like this this shit has been a reality for so long so mj i'm totally on board with that no i agree i'm so glad you brought that up like, I remember watching yours and I thought, like, especially me in my past, like, I, in my parents' past, I resonate with yours and I was just like, we need, we need all of our stories and all our perspectives to continue being pushed. 
And I, I'm so glad you mentioned that too. It's like, if we want to get other men, we got to be real and true to our beliefs, true to our stories, true to our past. Like we so, everybody's so focused on us being elevated and enlightened and we forget that everyone's still in the mud. We got to pull them out the mud too. We got to get back in the mud with the people in the mud and bring them out. And I'm so glad you brought that. I was watching you and I watched, I, mean, I watched all yours and I loved it. But I remember resonating with your story. It's like, this guy is in the mud and he's with the people bringing them out. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you so much. Like just being true to us and being true to our past and being true to our people who don't have education, don't have the enlightened experiences, don't have the cute homes with Instagram pics or any of that kind of stuff that we got. Like they're the ones like every single day fighting to survive, fighting to live, warring in love. Some, and, and I love that you were true to your story and you're bringing it up. Just keep doing you. Thank you so much for saying that. You boys, you boys are brave. Let me tell you, <laughs> brave, because it's so true. It's so true, and and I resonate with that so much because I think that a lot of times, not that we know the answers, not that we know the solutions to the problems, but we discuss what we feel are, are better ways of handling things, and the harder conversations are talking about where that came from. You know, I just just the other day, you know, I work in construction. I've mentioned that before, and so it's a very toxic environment. And the conversation was cheap. I mean, we're talking like, it's just nothing but talking about women the whole time, man. And I'm sitting there just like, this is not a good conversation. Like, let's talk finances. Let's talk, you know, future. Let's talk goals. Like, pick my brain, you know? And so one of the things that they talked about was when they're talking, they mentioned, and of course, it's very real, you know? And, and I love that. And I mentioned that, like, we don't glorify it. Because I know when I first started this whole thing, like, that's what scared me. I mean, the name of the platform is the Modern Macho. I'm... I'm like, dude, we're going to be attacked so much by women. And so how do we create a mission statement where we, we show like, look, we're not glorifying it. But if we pretend like we're someone we're not, we can't grow. We can't make the progress. We need to hit all that raw stuff that's been going on. I, I tried to be someone that I wasn't for the longest time. And it wasn't until I realized this is who I am. So let's just acknowledge it. And, and change it, you know? And so, and, 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 you know, when I mentioned it, these guys were sitting there like, oh, it's cause you know, you're, you're different. You're, you're soft, you're this, you're that. Like, you know, we're, we're in our thirties and our forties and we're still sleeping around. Cause that's what we do as men. And, it, and it's like, I almost had to sit down and tell them like, dude, this is what I was doing. Like I was cheating on my girl by doing this, 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 and this. So trust me when I say that, I don't think I'm better than you guys. I'm just saying it gets old. It comes from a different place, you know? And something that I've learned that has been really cool about that as difficult as it is, and I, I think you guys can back me up on this, is that the second that we've acknowledged those things, nobody holds that over us anymore. You know, because anybody can try to judge you and be, oh, Hernan, like, what, bro? Like, you used to be an abuse type person. It's like, hey, man, I already chewed myself out on it. Nobody holds that against me anymore. And there's a beauty in that because in, in within that, we're able to forgive ourselves and to push ourselves now to build that confidence of saying, hey, that no longer defines me. You know, and, and we, I think we all still have those moments, man, where we got to go back to those shadows and, and it's tough and it sucks because I know the more I make progress in my journey, the shittier I do feel sometimes looking back because I just can't help but think like, damn, man. But the truth is that I already, I already, I chewed myself out. You know, you, you, you can no longer have one over me. And I think that's what scares us, especially as men, because once, once we put it out there, it's real, you know, now the second that we acknowledge that, Hey, 
I know I, I, I kind of need to mess around because my validation comes from that. Guess what? Now moving forward, you can't do it no more, you know? And that's scary, man. It's scary. And, and like, I kind of was writing this stuff down as we were talking because you guys get on, hit on some good stuff. The challenging part that we're doing within that, right? And that goes back to when, when Leslie felt like she was being called out about the fatherhood and, and MJ brought up a good point, which is just like as men, we're acknowledging our part that it came from somewhere, even as women that came from somewhere. Leslie didn't know because unfortunately that's all, that's, she was doing what she thought was right. Unfortunately, as men, a lot of our stuff has been very harmful, but we were doing what we thought was the right, not the right thing to do, you know, to, to be tough, to know everything, to not listen. Like all that stuff kind of came from somewhere. Even as Eric was talking about his parenting and he's discussing like, well, my dad was hit. Like, dude, that's the hardest thing. Like that's the most challenging thing is to be able like the second someone's saying how they feel to be able to realize that it's valid, to understand the context of it. Because I think we all have a story. Every single one of us has a story. So to say you can't relate to me, you can't relate to Hernan, to MJ, to Eric, to Leslie, so valid. But to step outside of what we know and to listen, to have someone say something and to hear where they're coming from and to understand somebody else's journey, that's the challenge. You know, that's where it becomes different because we can always relate it. Well, I had it tougher than you. Well, I was in the streets. Well, I did this. But that doesn't take away from them. That doesn't. And I know that as men, it turns into, you know, I've said it before, a wiener measuring contest of like, well, what did you do? You know, how tough are you? How much have you done this? And so to be able to validate it and, and to not not judge it anymore um it's very very important um and and like i said I, I think taking it back to the whole challenging part of it i think we're all starting to see too that what moves this forward the most is the stories like i've caught on to that already right like i'm like okay how do we how do we perfect example right like how do we become more, more respectful well we could try this we could try that blah 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 and i've like almost like leisure like reached out to men as like, hey, we should try doing these things, try doing that, those things. And it almost seems to not work, right? Like, cause now we're telling people what to do. And it's like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be stubborn. I know I don't want to do that. And then I go back and I think like, damn, when I told my story about how I didn't listen and I screwed up on this, the resonating, the resonating is I think the most important part where it's like, cool. The second that I heard something like that was like, okay, I got this. I got my story. I know what I need to do. And so to be able to, um, to share the stories, I think is the most important part of it all. And I think that's why the men's circles have the success that they do. I think why wow, that's why Bloom Homie is where it's at because thanks to, thanks to spaces like, like them that have allowed men. And, and I, I know from experience, because I was, I was there, everyone was different. Everyone was different yet everyone walked away from that took it home and then created their own thing whether they took it to work whether they took it to their homes to a different platform whatever it was it resonated you know and that was that wasn't us going into there going hey i know what's right as a man let me tell you let me show you what we need to do don't hit women don't do this it was like hey let me tell you my story and maybe it'll click next thing you know you got all these stories coming out and we go whoa that's nuts you know so that that's dope to me that's dope and and like i said that's so brave because we don't do it enough we don't talk about the negative things we don't talk about the hard things and and the transparency like i said is so important and so even to hear that from you guys is like oh you know there's days where i like the guilt man they take over you know and, and i look back and think like damn i can't believe i did these things 
you know, but to admit them is like, guess what? You don't get to judge me for them. You don't get to, you don't get to hold one over me because that's not who I am. I've already forgiven myself for it. Do I have to carry that? That's another big part of it too, is understanding like you're going to be, you're going to be the antagonist in somebody's story probably for the rest of your life. Someone might not forgive you for the, some of the crappy things that you've done in your past. That's part of it. And unfortunately, those are consequences that you're going to have to accept. But you know what? Again, it, it shouldn't define us. Like that's that's part of the learning process. Even for my son now, looking forward, I think like he's going to have consequences. And I don't want him to think that because he makes mistakes, everything's okay and there's not consequences. He's going to lose things. Things are going to hurt. Things are going to be difficult. It's just how accountable am I going to hold him to it? You know, that he understands. Like it's up to you, bro. How much you forgive yourself, how much you take that responsibility of being a better person. Those. <laughs> I mean, it's on fire hitting all the preach, bullseyes. Preach, today. preach, preach. <laughs> Love it. I'm at church right now. Love this. <laughs> this is church. This is church. This is my church. This is my church. Did y'all see my story yesterday? I was like, this is going to be the brown table talk. Move over. Yes. <laughs> um, who is the other one that does the other red table talk? Gloria, Stefan, like, we're doing something different here. I think uh, Carlos has a lot of great points. And like, for a long time and i've talked to leslie about this before i think in my early 20s for a good a few years i was in that that state of mind like i need to like talk at i was talking at men like at them i was like you know this is what's wrong with you and with us and like you need to do this 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 i was on that level and I was like getting very dejected because I'm like, damn, nobody's like resonating. Like no, no man gives a damn. I was getting very frustrated. No guys care about violence against women. No guys care about like stopping like um, sex trafficking or, or, you know, catcalling. And then once I started like thinking like, wait, I should talk with men. And then, you know, the circle started, Bloom Homie started. I'm like, whoa, like I saw a world of difference. And it, and it goes back to like, well, yes, people get defensive when you yell at them, you know? It's about calling them in and, and making, and like you said, giving them an invitation. And, you know, I and now I have men writing to me in DMs, like Hernan said earlier, like I have guys that write to me in DMs and share their, with me their beautiful stories and experiences with their kids or like something positive that happened with their, with their wives this week. And I'm like, oh, this is so so cool like and i'm not asking them to like send me dms but they are because they feel comfortable doing it with me so it's about it's about making that that room and that comfort and like that's why i've also said this i think i i told this to leslie on our ig live a few months ago that i've been that friend for for a, quite a while where the guys come to me and they're like hey can i talk to you outside the party i'm like what's up and then when they take me to the outside where nobody's listening, nobody's watching, they open up to me about their life and mental health. I've been that friend for a, for a while already. And then I, every time I ask them, I'm like, why do you feel like you had to only tell me though? Like, why are you not opening up with the other homies? We're all friends. They're like, nah, cause they're gonna call me all these names. And I'm like, damn, we are living in such a disguise as men. Like we're fronting, we're faking. We're not just being real with each other. But I think now with this cultural shift, we're seeing that like, all right, like why are we trying to impress this fake notion of like, 
manhood that's not going to benefit us. Let's just be real. And I think I'm seeing that more and more, which is awesome. There's, you know, what you just said is reminded me of a documentary called The Mask You Live In um, about about what we're talking about, like about how boys are raised. And so I'm thinking that I'm like, just like, I have tendrils growing (laughs) for like ideas right now, but like a viewing party for the comunidad, you know, of this, of this film and like discussion. Um, Ayla just dropped it in the chat. I'm so in awe of all of you. I like sent you in the DMs, like just hard eyes and like heart palpitations for this conversation. I'm curious if we can maybe bring Ayla back on because there were a few questions that came in. Um, so I know that this conversation could easily go like another couple years. Um, but I wanna, I wanna bring Ayla in to read off some of these questions that are coming in, um, if that's all right with everybody. Hey everyone, I just wanna say thank you all for being here and it's such a pleasure to have all of you back into the space. Um, Thank you for your insight, but I also have to shout out everyone in the chat because I don't know if you've been able to see, but um, just so much wisdom is being shared just by our community. So thank you. So I'm going to read off some of these questions. And if you have any questions, please put them in the Q&A in the chat. It might get lost. But if you if you have a question that you want to be answered, um, the Q&A box is like right next to the chat box and we'll read them from there. So the first question that came in, um, there are many spaces for white men to have support and be seen, especially in a racist society that already provides them platforms. So what would be the next stage or platform that can elevate the healing needed, um, especially during these uh, during this pandemic? And feel free anyone to hop in. It's tough because being black or brown is not a monolithic, but very often we're always shared like to be to be in our space, you have to be this type of black person or this type of brown person. And coming down on trying to create spaces where we can be open or shine, some of those things that how we see each other, this person's more real, this person is not as real, this person can resent, reflect me and this person reflect me. Those are all the kind of things that we are as a people are still trying to navigate through ourselves. And I think that's what, I think it's, it's possible to have that space, but for it to be successful, it has to be like, we don't need to be one. Like I think Leslie was some of this few days ago, we don't have to be small, make as many spaces as possible for everyone to resonate with, no matter what your background is, where you're from, what you did, what your social economics was, just make the space. If you want to do it, make it happen. Tell your story, make it, make your page, make yours, uh, whatever it is in your community. It, it, that's how it's going to have to happen. Everybody just, just like a church, everybody all over in like, especially in the hood, there's a church on every corner. That's what we got to be like on every corner, making our own spaces for us to be open and have it happen. And I think the work itself with the people that we're with will eventually blossom into what it needs to become. So I don't, I don't think that's the, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not really a direct answer. I just think it's, it's such a big answer to give. And I think that's probably how we should start. It's just whether you're living in Nantucket or you're living in Brooklyn, make your space. 
and people like us, black and brown people who in your space in Nantucket or Brooklyn will come and, and be open and, and eventually grow to what it needs to become. That I second that. I second that. I've been saying when spaces don't exist, create them. I've been saying that for years. So everything Michael said, yep, just create it on your own. Like, are we frustrated that society is this way? Well, then let's do something. Like, let, you know, do it. <laughs> don't hold back. You know, like that person that messaged Leslie, like, while that's valid, like Michael said, he could have started it too. Like, what's up? Where's your page? Um, you know, do it. Nobody's stopping. And now with social media, it's so easy. You are one minute away from creating a new Instagram page. I'm um, gonna say, I'm gonna jump in here because like this is something that has come up a lot for years for me, where people are like, How do I find more communities like this? Like in my hometown, you know, is Latinx parenting over here? Like, can you know, can we be over here? And I'm just like, do it. <laughs> Like, yeah. do, you know, make it. The reason Latinx parenting exists is because I saw something that I needed not existing and I created something that I needed to exist. So, but I, I also want to say mm -hmm. like, it's not, you know, it, it takes a lot of decolonizing the mind to step into a place of empowerment of, oh, I can build, I can create, I am creator actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so for so long, we've been told, you don't have that ability. You don't have that capacity. Um, you listen to your teachers and you learn from your teachers. And if your teachers don't have the answer, then there's no answer, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it goes back to the way that we have been trained, I think, from, from being children, you know, of not being given that initial permission to use our voice and to say, I have a valid, you know, dream. I'm thinking about like that move, that uh, song in the movie Rapunzel where all the men are together. If y'all haven't watched the movie Tangled, <laughs> like just watch this one part where all the men are like in this bar and they're all singing, I have a dream, I have a dream. And it's all these like men, like these ruffians and thugs is what they call them. And it's hilarious because it's all these like tough macho guys, right? And they're all talking about their dreams. One of them wants to be like a mime. One of them wants to be like a, pian a pianist or whatever. He's got like hook hands, but he like wants to play the piano anyway. But like everybody has this dream. Everybody has an idea of what they want to do. It's the fact that they haven't had the support support leading up to this point right and so by me having created latinx parenting it's just an example of what can be done right like i don't want to fit every i don't want to like meet all the need because that is a lot of pressure on me that's 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 not what i'm here to do i'm here to just you know be and and i feel like yeah like i i really would love more movements to to join and to grow and to to be built um because that's what that's what's going to be needed if we are going to create that paradigm shift well i agree like just real quickly it goes even past us being children like maybe it's my, like my college side kind of like educator coming out but this goes back to colonization time like the slave trade you know no no not trying to make like all oh, about race but seriously it goes all the way back then where well, for such a time, generation after generation they kept yeah. saying all your job is to do is just build for other people, create yes. for other people, design for other people. And then there was no support for us to do it because yes. we were so busy being 
like entrapped like, to do it for others laboring so, using our yes, bodies to labor right. for others so it's like yeah. okay actually you have that same capability to use your body but do it for you do it yeah. for your intergenerational wealth do it for your people yeah you know? and we do because remember who was singing the spirituals whether it was like la bamba or the negro spirituals we were the ones creating the music <laughs> creating the the, 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 the the traditional dishes that everybody loves and asks yes. you to bring to the cookout. We were the ones doing all the stuff. We have it in us. So you're so right that like you did, and then look at your space in just two years. We all can do that. There's there's people now that's like say, we have this exists now for us to build support. In the past, it wasn't Instagram. So you didn't know who was there for you or riding for you, but now we know. And you're, so you're totally right. like. You is and it's hard for you. And I'll put that pressure on you. Like uh, Latinx parenting, maybe Latinx like can do one community, but like I said, you know, from Barico, from Puerto Rico, maybe it will not resonate. Or people in the Caribbean, maybe you're in Spain, maybe in this. But that's the beautiful thing is like we've been creating for so long. We all can continue to create. And I totally agree with you that if it's any time, it's definitely now because there's the resources that are available for us to continue to support each other. Um, and continue to grow. So I totally agree with everything you're saying. Is thank you for saying it. And with with, with that too, something that like I, I've said this before, like the resources that are there. How are they applied now? Right? Because that's just as important. Like, cool. Okay, we know it. Now let's apply. Now let's make these resources a little more personal. You know? And you're talking about like throwing it back, dude. And like, it, it reminded me just about even how. Like as men, we'll knock the guy that's in the office making twice as much money as us because he's not man enough because I'm out here breaking my back, you know, but that's, that's, you know, that's what I was told to do. That's where my pride is, is like, I'm supposed to be out there grinding and hustling and working hard. And, you know, it's to the point to where I could even be that partner and my partner, you know what I mean? Like there could be another guy happily married, but I've done it. I'd be lying if I said then that I'm like, I'll knock on that guy because I'm like, this fool's, look at this guy, man. Like, them, you know, there's actually this guy, shout out to him, Mandilon Movement, where that's what he talks about, like, better a Mandilon than a man alone. And I'm like, yes, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's so ingrained into like, man, look at this guy. Like, that's not how we're supposed to do, but it's ingrained further than just childhood, man. We're throwing it way back on that. And that alone is another one, two, three, four hour conversation, you know? Thank you so much for your insight. Um, and I just wanna add into like, at the core of all that we're doing, we're really just talking about a lived experience. So don't feel like you need to have this degree or this credential to be able to start a conversation or facilitate. Really, you're just talking about your lived experience and calling in others to talk about theirs as well. Um, so yeah, just go and do it. So I'm gonna uh, move on to the next question. moral things that are popular just and people follow it because that's the dominant thing to follow so I'm like for me I mean for you know the homies and I, I want our children to be um, you know to disagree and to learn and to 
stumble into the nuance of different conversations and you don't always have to say yes sir and you can disagree with dad but as long as it's not gonna harm your life or harm others you know like we need to like navigate into the nuances of different conversations and as a teacher you know i i feel like i try to practice that with my students and like not everything is black and white so i feel like men that are uh afraid of that well first like they need to decolonize a lot and they should follow the guys here to do that <laughs> and leslie so that's my advice <laughs> Got it. Anyone else want to chime in or move on to the next question? All right. Um, so the next question is, I'd love to hear a little bit from folks who are in therapy or have gone to therapy about their journey finding a good therapist and or critiques of therapy as a model for healing, given that it is a practice that comes from the tradition of Western medicine with all of its internal contradictions. Um. Oof. I'm happy to jump on that one, y'all. Um, you know, therapy as a as a modality, I, I feel like for the longest I shied away from it. And I also always looked at it as like, oh, that's a white person thing. Um, I, I think that there's so much of this space that we need to be more intentional about, even on our end, in terms of elevating the spaces where there are platforms that are bringing together Latinx therapists, Black therapists, like really trying to emphasize the cultural competence uh, component of therapy because you know there is another platform Latinx therapy out there that like has been doing a lot of that with Adriana um, she's a really dope uh, person who just like really decided to just bring all these Latinx therapists together into this one central uh, database that people can look at um, and I met my therapist through her platform when the platform was like there were like three therapists that were listed in New York um, and I think that part of what I realized uh, very early on is that finding a therapist is like window shopping. Like you have to kind of really go through different places, shop around, like really test and like feel out some of these therapists and like have these intentional conversations with them about what you would like from them and if, if see if there's a vibe there. Um, obviously there's costs associated to therapy. So I want to keep it real. Like the, there's so many things that in the beginning when I like did not have a lot of money coming in, when I wasn't stable financially, where like therapy wasn't even an option. I'm like, I don't even got the 20 bucks for copay. So I don't know what we're trying to do out here right now, but I'm, I don't got no time for therapy nor the finances for it. So there are therapists out there too, who do, you know, sliding scales, who if you have a conversation with, will work with you. Or there are other spaces where some people just choose group settings as opposed to active one-on-one -on -one therapy, right? Like there are modalities that extend beyond therapy that I feel like I have learned. I've been in therapy now for a year and a half, literally every week for a year and a half. I've only missed one session. Um, and I think part of what I've seen in therapy is that depending on the relationship you have to your therapist and depending how deep you want to do your own work, therapy can have so many good, so many good outcomes for you. But again, it has to kind of come from with you. Like it starts with you, like what your what you make of the process comes from like your willingness to dive deep with it and then guiding your therapist to really like, yo, I want you to keep it real with me. Like, I want you to tell me when I say some shit, if it sounds like, why? Like, ask me why. Um, or if there's an emotion that I'm like surfacing, like ask me, what does that emotion want to say? Right? Like I, you can guide the, the process yourself. Um, and I'm always happy to share uh, more offline beyond that. But like, 
totally therapy. I think we need to reclaim it for our communities um, and just try to figure out intentional ways of really putting out the therapists that are doing such a dope job. And then kind of like really outing the ones that aren't and like are really just taking checks from our people. Like I'm just going to keep it real because there are some shitty ass therapists out there and I have no problem calling them out because if you're not doing it for the people, then I don't know why you're even in this field because this we really need loving people in that space period and people of color more now than ever. Thank you, Adnan, for sharing that. Um, our next question is kind of a piggyback off of our last question. How do we invite toxic family members to see the vision of ending intergenerational trauma? I want to be able to trust my parents with helping raise my children. So you kind of talked about um, in the last question about how do you get your partner to come on board? Um, what about what it, when it comes to your parents or older family members? How do you navigate that relationship? So for me, my parents, like, they're hood hood. You know what I mean? Like they, like, it's totally different, you know? And um, which understandably means there's different circumstances than, than what I'm living in now. So in the beginning, it was super tough to see eye to eye on a lot of my visions and, and, and their visions that they kind of been ingrained in, not because it's their fault, but just, just the way things are. I think for a lot of time in the beginning, there's a lot of fighting, arguing, literally physically fighting. Um, a lot, not my, with my, with my uh, dad, um, I, this was like six years ago, a lot of arguing, a lot of not seeing, uh, blocking each other. I just like, I was like, I'm, I'm about love. How don't you guys see that too? And you know what I mean? And it wasn't love, but it just, I was just like, I was young and, and new to this and, and new to this idea. And I think how I got over it to where my parents understand, they see my side, they're even with me on my side and, and calling me and asking, can I do this? Or this is okay? Or can, is it okay for me to say that? And, 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 and even helped my relationship with my own parents was like something I said in the beginning is that it's okay, you gotta set boundaries. You gotta stay strong to your boundaries and, it's, you must, and forgive yourself when you make mistakes but just keep moving in your love, keep moving in your peace, keep moving in your understanding, letting them know that, hey, this conversation is not going where I want it to go. I'm getting to it. You got to be in tune with yourself to know that you feel yourself, your adrenaline kicking in, your heart beating fast. And you're like, this is getting where I don't want it to get to. And, and all that kind of stuff, like eventually will get your parents to kind of see that you're the real deal and what you're saying is the real deal. And then when your kids start to move in that freedom and move in that love, they see you as a kid. They see themselves as a kid in your kids and say, I wanna be a part of this too. And it takes time. It I ain't gonna lie, I've been, I, my, my child will be six. They ain't start coming around to the last year, year and a half. So that's a lot of times of not talking to my parents, blocking my parents. My dad calling my mom, because they're separated, saying, Michael don't want to see me. Can you get him to see me? Or I'm my mom, my mom calling my dad, because sometimes I'm 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 okay with one, but not okay with the other. Hey, tell Mike I want to see him. But I'm just in this space where it's like, you know what? I have sometimes in the past it was out of anger or frustration. And then in the middle is about setting boundaries. And then now it's about like just accepting that kind of energy and getting to where I get to. But I, I kind of feel like it's going to take time. Sometimes it's six years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. But if your heart is really about the journey, then the time is what it's going to take. So my answer to that is that's it. It's just just know that it's not going to be a quick 
fix. It's going to be a long walk, a long, long walk. So you better put on your walking shoes and keep being about love and keep doing what you're doing and being honest with yourself and forgiving yourself because you will make mistakes. But eventually, love always will bring them around. That's it. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, MJ. Um, this next question, I think uh, it would be helpful for all panelists to answer. Um, what has been one thing that was the toughest to unlearn about what it means to be a man? We can just go down, go down the line. That's going to be the last question, unfortunately, because we have to wrap it up after that. Um, but we are going to keep visioning and we're going to keep dreaming about other ways to keep coming together and to keep offering support to the community. So these questions that are still coming in will be answered just in different on different days and different settings. So um, thank you for being here, all of you who are here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Leslie. I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. I, I think the biggest one for me was um, unlearning that I don't know everything and, and being able to put my pride and my ego aside to figure things out, that I'm, I'm not right on everything, that I don't have things figured out, not for myself, not for my partner, not for anybody else. And it's okay to be wrong. It doesn't define me. It doesn't make me any less of, not even a man, but as a human, you know? And and just just real quick, I think that we hear that a lot about whether this is even the right thing to do or not. And, and I think gentlemen, for all the men that are out there listening that think that the way we're doing things is okay. I know for me, what's very concerning is, is the high level of suicide rate amongst men. If it was working, you know what I mean? If this tough guy mentality that we had was working and it was making us strong and we were doing all these great things and we were successful and all this stuff, I would be the first one to say, well, shit, why change it up? The truth is it's not working. And so we need to try something different. So, um, I'll leave it with that again. Thank you guys for, for being here. I appreciate all you gentlemen and, and Leslie, thanks again for having us. I keep forgetting, I keep putting myself on mute, but thank you, Carlos, that was a beautiful answer. Yeah, beautifully said, I agree with all of that. I think one of the other things that um, was really big in unlearning was um, just language, like just casual language that I grew up with as a kid and oh wait i shouldn't use that word to uh, describe guys that are um gay or i shouldn't use this word to describe women um like one word uh for example bitch um it was so normalized as a kid like and circles i was around that every woman that's the word you call her and then i, I started like unlearning that and looking at him like damn this is very violent language to just casually refer to women in our lives like where I had to stop literally being friends with some of these men that would not stop that language even out of respect to me they would still continue so I had to kind of get new like push some people away from my life but language is a for me was a, a big one language um I think for me after I survived my suicide attempt two years ago, I realized that this whole mentality of, I got the shit, I can do it alone, um, kind of left that day when I survived. Like I realized that I needed to ask for help, that it was okay to ask for help, that it was okay to not be okay, that it was okay to cry. But like this whole concept of toughing it out, like that was the hardest thing to unlearn. And it took me surviving an active suicide attempt for me to realize that. So I hope no other men have to get to that point 
but that's literally that that was the hardest thing that I had to learn and it took to that level for me to be able to do it so encouraging more men out there to to lean into asking for help and reaching out to us after this if you need to I think uh for me personally um well first and first I just want to thank you all of you guys um like I said I just want you guys to continue shining. I want you guys to continue growing. You guys are really just killing out there. And it's been such a pleasure just watching you guys, supporting you guys, sometimes making an excuse to drink to you guys. Like, seriously, like you guys are just really doing your things. And it's been awesome. Um, to answer your question, I think for me, it's one of the biggest things I kind of remind myself all the time. It's like just learning or is like my passion has to meet my patience. Um, for a long time, I always learned that like, if it's not working out, burn that bridge, like kind of like Killmonger, burn that bridge down, come into this thing, guns are blazing. Y'all don't want to get on board or my job doesn't want to respect me or family or friends are not trying to get what I'm saying. Then like, y'all mess with the wrong one. We about to bring war. And I think, um, that I think that's something that I have learned from my parents, but where did my parents learn that from? And then so on and so on and so on. Like, that learn this 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 sense of like urgency that it that's that's kind of detrimental um or a certain level of violence um not just in with our hands but with what we say and what we do and how we think and how we move and, and it's, i don't care who gets hurt burn the bridge down to get the right thing done um and i think for me that's kind of one of the things i have been learning is that the more passionate i am about my work or about my cause the more patient i have to be more loving and gentle and peaceful I have to be. And sometimes when I say like war and love is really neat. Like it comes from a pace of like, like literally we go in war, but our weapons are different than our, what we had used in the past. And um, I think that's, that's something I, I'm learning for me. And I, and I try to just help others understand that. Like if you same, if you're coming from a similar background of mine where you just have to constantly, you know, get to, get to battle. It's like, how, how are we going to do battle? how we're going to change how we do battle so i think that's it for me so thank you well i wish we had like another three hours um i have felt that same way after every conversation that i've had with each of you um and again like my mind is just like just going right now with other ideas for how to come back together so we will be in touch we have our group thread um and thank you all for being pressured into being this panel by me, not being given a choice about coming into this space. Um, I told them, I was like, I want to have a gathering of everybody and your answer better be anything for Salinas because anything um, outside of that is not acceptable by me. So thank you. My daughter's over here laughing because she knows where that comes from. Um, yeah, but I'm so just full of gratitude and awe for all of you. I'm going to hold our conversations in my heart, um, in my spirit, and, you know, just keep figuring out other ways that we can make sure that this community continues to grow, um, you know, each of our communities. And um, I want to just give a shout out to Ayla. I'm so sorry for those of you that tuned in and wanted to listen in Spanish. For some reason, we were not able to record the Spanish interpretation, but we may have it available later down the line. Um, I'm working on figuring out if I can get the recordings for each of the previous conversations with Zoom. Um, so I, if that doesn't happen, it's just going to be a call for us to have more of them, you know, and to record them 
locally on my computer this time. So um, so thank you all from my heart, from my corazón, to Ayla, to Lorenia de la Vega, Lorenia Rincón, who were the interpreters for the entire series, and 